0: Doe, a deer, a female deer,
1: Ray From the island of Sodor. It's the IGN Digigods. Please welcome two very useful engines, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser.
0: So A needle pulling thread La A note to follow so
1: That ominous opening of Corey's with the sound of music in the background.
0: Wait, first of all
1: Oh, you're hot, hold on Oh, I'm hot, all right Yeah, there you go, all right
0: First of all, we have a special guest this week
1: That was written by Gerard Crowley <laughs> Who really gets my engine going
0: <laughs> Don't stop the recording I'm not Wait. going thank
1: You,
0: you, you, you want to stop the way. recording, don't you? you because you, you want to do this again
1: Yeah. Uh, no, it's all right <laughs> uh, normally So now everyone knows normally, how the sausage is made no, no, I, no. Normally I give Corey a moment to. But you, you, okay I forgot, okay First uh, of all Gerard Crowley, thank you Gerard Crowley for, for the intro Sorry Corey, <laughs> Corey, we, Mark, Mark buried Corey's Attribution. Sorry,
0: Gerard. (laughs) That's right. Um, So we have a special guest this week. Yes, we do. Molly the dog. Oh,
1: where's Molly? Where'd she go?
0: Stupid Molly. Oh, by the way, can I, can I, can I, uh, not to bury the lead. Yeah. But can I tell you something? I've been taking care of Molly Mm -hmm. uh, for about uh, two and a half days now.
1: Well. It's been going great. Because, because J.K. Simmons won his Academy Award and let you take care of his dog, Molly. J.K., otherwise known as, as our friend Phil. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> I was wondering where that was going. Come on. You know where that is. Look, Phil, J.K. and Phil look exactly alike. They
0: do not. They do. Phil wishes freaking, he looked like J.K. They're freaking twins. Look, Molly Separate peed on my birth. bed. That's all I care about. Molly peed on my bed last night. Aww, Molly peed on my bed. Okay? I went out last night, right? Did you I, make this ice cream? Yeah. This is good. Actually, I was surprised. It, it oh, is guard. pretty good. I was oh, surprised guard. it was good because Whole Foods did not have the usual vanilla beans I, I mm. always use. So I had to buy, like, the cheap one in the back. Mm-hmm. So I was a little worried that it wouldn't come out that,
1: that good. But it came out good. And the chocolate. What's the chocolate? Uh,
0: it was le- it's um, leftover. Um, it's, good, it's good quality chocolate. It's, um, uh, it's not Mast Brothers. It's uh, one of those uh, yeah, fancy right. schmancy ones. Um, so I'm taking care of Molly. I had never taken care of a dog before in my life. Mm-hmm. My ex-girlfriend had a dog. And I would take care of that dog a little bit. But there were two of us. So uh, everything's going great. I stayed home Friday night to be with the dog because I enjoyed it. It's was fine. It was fun. Saturday, I walked the dog at 8 a.m. I walked the dog at 3 p.m. And then between 7.30 p.m. and 11 p.m., I left to go to dinner and come back. I get back. Molly's happy, fat and happy. Now, Molly is just a big lumbering idiot of a bull masted. That's what <laughs> Molly is. Okay? She's a big, slow, lumbering idiot. So... I'm very happy. The moment I get home, I walk Molly again, which means I will have walked Molly three times, Mm -hmm. 8 a.m., 3 Mm -hmm. p.m., 11.30 p.m. So I'm all happy, Climb into bed, and there's an enormous wet spot on the bed. And I say, oh, my God, what is that? I mean, literally, it's right at the area where, like, when I am 85 years old, I'll be peeing in my bed in that spot when I'm 85 years old. But now I'm not. So I'm like, what is that spot? And I could not imagine... It was Molly, because Molly is a big, fat, lumbering, lazy idiot, and there's no way she's going to jump two and a half feet into my king size bed.
1: Unless it is a rocking place to pee.
0: Well, I, I guess. I, I, so I, I looked up to see if uh, uh, maybe there's a leak on the roof,
1: yeah.
0: and it turns out there's no leak on the roof, and of course, it smelled like urine, and goddamn Molly, the big, lumbering, lazy, idiot, piece of crap Molly, peed in my bed. Now, thankfully, my bed was unmade. I'm an adult now. I cannot make my bed, uh, so which means that the blanket did not get wet. Okay. But the sheet was wet, and so I had to go on the internet and find out how to clean dog urine. You got to do the, the baking soda and vinegar <laughs> and all this stuff, okay? Well, you,
1: you look, look, it's, it's, is it any more difficult than making ice cream?
0: I'm not going to eat urine. <laughs> I'm going to eat the ice cream. Okay? There's a much better payoff at the end of the ice cream part. <laughs> okay. So I, so there you go. I, I have to call the carpet cleaner tomorrow and yeah. see whether they clean mattresses because exactly. I, I have to sleep on my couch or my, in my guest bedroom until <laughs> this, gets, this gets adjudicated. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's a new use for the word adjudicated. I don't know that uh, – t- well, anyway.
0: All right. Well, so I loved Molly but now I hate Molly.
1: Well, speaking of Molly, was there any better – this is my segue. Was there any better – promotion for the 50th anniversary uh, Blu-ray release of The Sound of Music then that whole uh, Gaga routine on the Oscars.
0: Okay, can I say I something? I mean, that was amazing. Can I say something?
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know Lady Gaga from yeah. All The Hall of the Wall. I mean, I know her.
1: Yeah. I'm sure I heard a couple of her songs. Sure.
0: Right? All I know is that I work at E! Entertainment Television and we always talk about her because she's dating a guy or she's right. got a new tattoo or she changed her hair or whatever the hell it is she does. I don't I know very little about her. Yeah. She was on the uh, uh, the Oscars, singing that medley. She killed it. Unbelievable! It was amazing. So good. It was really, really good.
1: It was astonishing. Yes. Nobody on no, board. I, I I I think a lot of people. I mean, I knew she had that in her, but a lot of people were like, "Wow, dude, who knew?" Yeah, I'm on board. I get it. Because you know, she's not going to make ten million dollars a month singing that way. She'll just kill you in the Oscars. But anyway. Well, that was a great moment. Uh, Julie Andrews walking out and and giving all that love to Gaga. That was just fantastic. And I'm sure the people over at Fox were just beside themselves with joy because, bang, they get to release their Sound of Music 50th anniversary uh, five-disc Blu-ray monster. And it was the best lead-in imaginable. And this is an absolutely fantastic set, I will tell you. By the way, I saw Schwarzenegger this week. Did I tell you that?
0: Ew, how does he look?
1: (laughs) Well, it was... It was uh, it was an office building, in uh, I, I, it was in Santa Monica. No, so he,
0: he lives in um, he lives in the Palisades. In the Palisades,
1: yeah, he lives in the Palisades. So this was in Santa Monica, and uh, it was funny because I was looking for a parking space. I was picking up Christy, and I was looking for a parking space, and I was going around the block and around the block. I had and I had you know our daughter in the car with me, and uh, the, and I'm just looking for a parking space. And I keep every time I go around. I was looking for a street park. I didn't want to park in the in the basement of the building. So, um, and this is you know this is like Wilshire Boulevard and I don't know, you know twentieth, twenty sixth, somewhere in that vicinity. And there's this big black GMC SUV parked in the red, right in front of like a mailbox and some uh, and some uh, you know uh, street boxes, right. I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, well, there's there's somebody with a sense of entitlement. And finally, a street park opens up, and I pull in and I park and I. And I, and I grab hero, and I we get out of the car, and uh, out comes Schwarzenegger from the building. Yeah, and he gets in the GMC. He gets in the big. <laughs> he was parked in the red. And I guess of course you know, he was parked of in the red. he's parked in the red. He's not going to look for a parking space, proper parking space. You know, whatever. He's, he's Arnold, so he gets in and pulls out. And I just thought, well, how about that? Uh, and that was, no, and that now was he's, my Arnold sighting for the week. Now
0: he's had some horrible plastic surgery. He looks really weird in person. Does he?
1: Yes. I wasn't close enough. I was, you know, maybe fifty feet away, but anyway, uh, that has nothing to do with the Sound of Music unless they do a remake of the Sound of Music with Arnold playing um, Julie Andrews. Or, or yeah, sure, why not? I was going to say, or, or, you know, one of the kids. I have a nova. over dive. <laughs> I have a nova active thyroid. So um, I'm Gretel. So anyway, uh, this, is, this, is a, this is really impressive. And if you already have the 45th anniversary, which was the last one they released five years ago, which is an awesome set, it's essentially the same transfer. You're, you're not getting anything, anything new with this. It's very much the same transfer. But you get, you get this amazing great new documentary, which is Julie Andrews Reto- Returns to Salzburg. And it's not, that's not just a ringer. That's not just something that they just went and shot and threw on. It is a wonderful high-def, hour-long um, return to the city with Julie Andrews. It's just delightful. I mean, if you love this movie, you've got to have that. It's, uh, it's amazing. It's absolutely delightful. So here's what you get. On the first disc, you get uh, Blu-ray and uh, a ton of special features, which includes the sing-along and uh, the various commentaries that a lot of people have probably heard before. Robert Wise's commentary is fantastic. It's just beautiful. One of the best commentaries on any disc ever, and then uh, a ton of blu ray special features on the second disc, which includes the uh, virtual map thing that they had before, the filming locations and all that stuff, and uh, you know screen tests and all that kind of stuff and then of course the uh, the new documentary on disc three uh, disc four is uh, yet more special features, but this is a dVD this is all the the DVD special feature stuff, which includes you know an optional sing along track and um, a, uh, you know the, the, This documentary The Sound of Music uh, uh, A Living Story On the tour The tour version of it And then um, Finally there's a, a CD On the fifth disc The CD is the soundtrack Which is the 50th anniversary Compilation of the original soundtrack Which has been out before In various forms So I mean it's five discs Three of them Blu-rays One of them DVD One of them a CD Fantastic Doesn't get any better I love this movie It's one of my favorite movies Of all time Yeah but it's like three hours Yeah Well, it's 172, I think, hold on, exact running time. I will tell you in just one moment uh, it is, what is the exact running time on this thing? Uh, I knew you'd ask me that, and I don't have it handy. But anyway, yeah, it's about three hours. I think it's a little bit less, but it's about three hours. And, you know, I have to say, seeing this in Blu-ray is probably the next best thing to seeing it projected in 70 millimeter. And I've seen it in 70 millimeter. It is a transcendent experience. And this brings me to the other thing. When I saw it projected, it was, I think, maybe the 30th anniversary. And uh, I went to the re-release, brand new 70 millimeter print. I went to the Plit Theater in Century City. Yeah, the Plitz. Before they tore it down to put uh, the Death Star up. and Death Star meaning the... The CAA building. yes. Uh, which is just a wretched monstrosity. Have you ever walked into that building? Uh, no, I've not. It's like it truly is like walking into the, the the Ministry of Defense in Mussolini's fascist Italy. Everything about that building is pure fascist architecture. It is the second you walk in, it is this giant, huge concrete, steel and glass hall that just is enormous and vacant. And the person that has to check you into the building is way down at the other end like, I just came into the building. It's like everything, Brazil. Everything in that building is designed to make you feel as though you are small and insignificant and, and worthless, and you should just submit to their will.
0: You know, here's what it is. So, it's the it's the interiors of playtime. like You know those big, absolutely. austere interiors Even worse. mixed with the the bureaucracy yeah. of anyway, Brazil?
1: It just crushes you. So anyway, before they put that monstrosity up, the plits were there. I went. I saw Sound of Music, brought my mother, sat down. Lovely lady and and uh, and uh, her daughter next to me, and um, it, you know we got to talking um, just before the movie. Turns out it's Harv Bennett's wife and daughter.
0: Oh, Harv. See, I know? cared that Harv Bennett died. And, you
1: didn't. And 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 at the inter- and we got to talking. I was like, oh my gosh! I got, i you know, I, I graduated from UCLA film school, and and Harve, you know, was at the t- at the time was like the uh, the guest dean or some such thing of the film school, and so you know there was a whole Harv Bennett UCLA connection. And then at the intermission, I kid you not, lights go up. I'm sitting there. I'm just crying my eyes out, bawling at the intermission. And so is Mrs. Bennett. And Aww. we bonded over, over crying at the intermission. She goes, "It's the only way to see this movie." Say, You're damn right it so, Why
0: didn't you bond over Star Trek two, II, three, and four? Because
1: I'm not a fan of those movies. You, you are, are a fan of those no, movies.
0: Those I've seen Star Trek two more times than any any movie ever. Which of course uh, uh, fans of the show already know. I and Har Bennett, he was always the guy. He was the I, guy, man. He he I was saw, the one who poop he was the one who watched all seventy nine original episodes and said, "Let's do the con one."
1: I saw Star Trek: Motion Picture twenty two times in the in the theater. <laughs> I did twenty two times.
0: Actually, there times. was there, there was something I haven't
1: memorized. I could perform it right now. I, I can perform Star Trek too. Yeah.
0: So there was something on the Facebook page about which iteration or which scene of the Enterprise was the most. And of course, here's the thing: if you want to have to geek out, Wade and I yeah. just ask a Star Trek question. Totally, <laughs> we're horrible. Yeah. So I had said that the the iconic Enterprise scene for me was when it was leaving space dock in Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Yep. Right. Yep. The, the, it's, that's my favorite uh, iteration of the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Right. Very yep. angular. Looking like I think that the ones from the uh, from the movie and the ones from Next Generation a little bit too rounded for me. True, it lost that kind of clean aggressive look. Yeah, I love the Next Gen or the uh, uh, motion picture one. Yeah, and of course the Jerry Goldsmith score and those beautiful majestic slow motion shots and yep. that, that little guy waving, The little guy who's that's little, right, that's right, <laughs> little guy waving. Yeah, so just, just, I remember years. Okay, we've talked about nothing so yeah, far. I, know. I remember years ago. And I think about this often. Whenever I, whenever I enter like a, like, a, uh, like a supermarket, I always think of this moment years ago when Wade and I were walking into some place with automatic sliding doors like a, uh, like a supermarket. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? So <clears throat> we were about to walk into this supermarket. I don't know if it was a supermarket. But it was the same type of thing. And the sliding doors start to close. And as the sliding doors start to close, I say, Wade, what movie am I? And as the sliding doors close, I, I just shimmy myself through the sliding door before they close, and then you laughed and said, Star Trek The Motion Picture, that one shot. Of oh, that one
1: guy slipping through.
0: Of oh, that one guy slipping yeah, through.
1: It was brilliant. It was brilliant. That was, that was, that was a great reference. So anyway, uh, but yes, and, Har- so we, and, we, and this brings us a uh, full way around. We could move now segueing from uh, uh, Sound of Music to obviously the death of Harv Bennett and, and by extension the death several days before Harv Bennett of Leonard Nimoy, which we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, we have. Uh, did we talk about Leonard uh, Nimoy? Yes, we did. Oh, all right. So, Sucker. So Don't make it. me talk about it again. It's too sad. Okay. It is sad. I miss him already. Never met him, but I miss him. So now we're going to go from Leonard Nimoy to uh, DreamWorks, Penguins of Madagascar. I'm going to tell you, I hate the Madagascar films. I really do. I think they're stupid. I just think they're pointless and loud and obnoxious and stupid. And, uh, and I, don't like, uh, I don't like Chris Rock's voice and I don't like, I don't like anything about him. Um, but I like the penguins. And I used to, And everyone used to always say with that first Madagascar movie, geez, why, they, why don't they make a movie with the penguins? Because the penguins are so much funnier than any, anybody else. So the best thing about this movie, I just sit here waiting for the penguins to show up again. And they did a penguin short, and now they've done the uh, feature film of the penguins, Penguins of Madagascar. And uh, it was a little bit of a disappointment, i got to say. It, it turns out the penguins don't really sustain a feature film quite as well as I think we all thought or had hoped. But it's not bad. Can I say something? Yeah. By the way, can
0: I sit this way? If, you, if I sit if I sit this far from the mic, can you? You're hear fine. Me? I
1: can totally hear you. All right, good. You're good.
0: Otherwise, I'd have to lean in for the whole no, time. Yeah, I know. It's all okay, right. so DreamWorks—they have a new animated film coming out. Yes. It's called Home.
1: Oh my gosh! It's called the, Home. The, the, the E.T. slash Lilo and Stitch knockoff.
0: Wait, it's called Home. I know. Is that the most generic, <laughs> nothing title? Home. How about just called Steve? Just <laughs> called Place. <laughs> it's called Place drawing the uh, the it's called the remember remember that band from the 80s the
1: the oh that was the best uh, that was the greatest was name great. ever good idea
0: anyway okay oh, so anyway so dreamworks animation which of course this is too businessy they're they're starting to uh screw the pooch
1: oh yeah they're they're they're, they're fraying at the edges that's yes they are they really are because yeah. they,
0: they 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 depend on stuff like uh, the penguin series look
1: the problem is the dreamworks animation would be fine if they weren't corporate, if they didn't have corporate expectations of stock price, then they would just make animated movies, cost-effectively, that can be well-marketed, that, that people will enjoy, and they'll make money. But it's not enough to be profitable. You have to, like, the stock price got to keep going up, 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 right? It's, it's, it needs to be acquired. Somebody, if you're going to be that company, then they need to become some other studio. Or they need go private. Or they need to go private. because if to they just, get
0: bought, they'll just yeah. get bought. They'll get bought by somebody else with the same
1: expectation. Yeah, but then it becomes part of a larger machine. You know, with, with the same expectations. Same, yeah, but then, but at least then it's go not private. at risk of going bankrupt. Go you know, private. then you you have more ways to you amortize know an ad, the, the animated
0: money. animation needs a like an old this, they're not this way anymore. Animation needs like a Lionsgate or a Summit. Yeah, true. Right. Totally. Now, obviously, Lionsgate Summit they're not they're not independent anymore, but necessarily totally as like they were ten years ago, but Animation needs a lion skate or a summit. They make cool movies their way. That's it.
1: So Penguins of Madagascar, uh, Blu-ray, DVD, and digital HD combo set, uh, which comes with a couple of these cool little 2 poppin' penguins. Look at the toys, Mark. You like those? No. My, my daughter's going to really love no. those. She loves penguins. She likes elephants and giraffes more uh, and camels. And Peppa for some strange Pig. Reason. She likes Peppa, Peppa Pig. Pig. She loves Peppa Pig. But, uh, yeah, but she'll enjoy the penguins. Uh, these are those you know little poppin' penguins, you know those things that you wind up and they go... Zzzz, and they talk and they walk and they like move and do whatever they're supposed to do. That's what these are. They're they're just yeah, they'll be cute. She'll she won't know what to do with them, and even though it's for ages three and up, she, uh, wait. I'm ages three and up. Like, well, I'll leave them with you. So, you get uh, obviously the movie in high def here and uh, a bunch of you know, cute little uh, little extra things like the like a guy to becoming an elite agent because the whole thing is like a spy spoof, right? Um, you gotta get uh, the uh, do the penguin shake with twitch.
0: Are, no, no, we, we had all these DVDs yeah, to talk that's right. about. So, anyway, oh, anyway, anyway.
1: So, it's it's cute, and you get the little toy penguins, and uh, it's, it's it's adequate.
0: Uh, Wade, um, here's a film that kind of um, slipped under the radar. This is a film called Son of a Gun, and it, uh, it was directed by this um, Australian guy, Julius Avery, and it stars Ewan McGregor and uh, Brenton Thwaites, one of the cooler names that are out there. And I have to say, I was a little bit surprised. Uh, this thing kind of no one really thought much about it or didn't really get much of a push. It's gritty. It's pretty stylish. Uh, you know, it's got it's it's a it's a genre film. It's a typical you know it's a prison drama and there's some like you know escape 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 stuff and you know caper stuff and you know it's cool. Ewan McGregor plays this this thief who's mentoring the, as this teenage inmate while in the slammer. And uh, and they they um, uh, they designed this heist, and I got to say, I was very surprised. I thought it was pretty cool. You I mean, are, I'm you, not, uns, you know, has been
1: making interesting choices lately. He's not like the man that he was for a while, and he may be again, but he he keeps making some really interesting choices.
0: Uh, yeah, I totally get it. Um, so you know, it's funny because I mean, obviously, out of Australia now, there's a lot of interesting filmmakers coming out. David Michaud,
1: yeah, right, I love David Michaud, um, such a nice guy.
0: So it's cool that uh, it's funny. Like you re- remember how like. Uh, um, you know, uh, two uh, uh, two weeks, uh, three months, two weeks, uh, four days, nine. Four, seconds. three, two. Yeah, that was the, that was like the uh, the yeah. birth of, uh, you know, the birth of the the, 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 Romanian, the Romanian thing. Romanian uh, New Wave deal. Now yeah. it's like the Australian New Wave. Yeah, you've got well, it's, David Macho. Again, it's
1: the second the second round for the Australians.
0: That is true. Yeah. Uh, the days of Peter Weir are long gone. Yeah, um, But it's good. And i got to say, Son of a Gun is a cool little movie. I think you, it's a totally good, surprise, decent Saturday night uh, rental.
1: All right. So they also, uh, you know, we have this ongoing uh, kind of feud with Marvel because Marvel will not actually send out retail product to anybody.
0: Which, by the way, they, they are known industry-wide. It's not like the big, us, industry-wide. No,
1: they're the biggest cheapskates in the world. They won't advertise for their Oscar nominees and they, 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 they won't do jack. Their movies make billions of dollars and then they, uh, they throw crackers at everybody. So um, Guardians of the Galaxy, we got on their standard generic, uh, horrible generic Blu-ray disc. So obviously no 3D version of this, um, but we can, we can certainly evaluate what they sent us, which is as close to final as we're likely to get, which is uh, a movie that I frankly admit I thoroughly enjoyed. It's busy as hell. It's just manic, manic and mania and it just, it's in your face and it's a it, – you know, James Gunn just directed the daylights out of this thing. This is a guy who was doing nothing but trauma stuff for the longest time. They finally handed him a really big toy box and he just went completely delirious with well, it.
0: Well, he, he got it off the strength of super. Yeah. Which was a kind of a flaw but an interesting take on the superhero genre. Yeah. And uh, you know this is the this is the movie that proves that Marvel they just have the Midas touch, man. If, if, if any Marvel now now, if now there were a course, Marvel
1: film that was going to tank, this was going to be it.
0: Now of course it's going to be a talking
1: with, 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 ta- with a talking uh, raccoon, exactly. and you know characters that don't have an established uh, profile in, in right. popular culture. It, you know, actor. I mean, there's no big star anchoring this thing. Uh, Gunn was something of an unproven director, at least with this budget level. I mean, sure. everything about this was like. This is the one that's going to tank. Right, no, right. this is going to be their their uh, you know uh, John Carter. And right. not only was this it is going to be their battleship. Man, a, not,
0: only, not only was it a phenomenon? It's terrific. It's terrific. It, it, I mean, it spins off into God knows what the hell happens at the yeah. end. The last twenty minutes are more CGI crap. But uh, it's it you know it's fun. It's witty. It feels it feels a little bit more. Um, feels a little bit edgier than the normal than the normal Marvel film. It, yep. it, you know what it is? The good thing about it is that it charts its own little corner of the universe. It does. It doesn't feel like the Avenger films. It doesn't feel like the Iron Man films, the Thor films. It, ha- it charts out its own little, a little bit more out there uh, uh, course, and I really liked it a lot.
1: Well, uh, deleted scenes, gag reel, featurettes, all the usual stuff, uh, even a little uh, peek at Age of Ultron, which I think is going to be pretty cool probably. But uh, the James Gunn commentary is great. James, James Gunn is a wonderful guy. He's, a, he's, a, he's sharp. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's an interesting guy.
0: I'm taking really it. Is. It's just a screener. You don't want it?
1: Sure I do. I'm really? going to show it to my daughter. Let her experience Jane. You are not. Jane. You know, you know so, what,
0: uh, when, I, I, when I thought this movie was going to make it is, is when he does that scene where he, he gives the, the, the authority of the middle finger. Yeah. He does that middle finger gag. Yeah. Like, okay. i Just going to try something uh, a yeah, little bit sure. PG-13-ish. Why and, not? And, you know, that's all right. It. It, you know what it is? It's a very calculated and successful pushing of the envelope.
1: I agree completely. Yes, so uh, we completely. are on board with Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, we are. We are totally not on board
0: are. with Night at the Museum because these things just won't go away. And uh, Ben Stiller, who I have to say, uh, Ben Stiller, he's just, you know what? He, he has not changed in, like, 25 years. He looks, he looks exactly the same. But He has not grown as an actor or a performer.
1: And the fact that they're doing a new Zoolander movie is not a good sign.
0: Oh, Zoolander's funny.
1: Fourteen years after the fact, he is not Zoolander anymore. I know. Okay? Well, and but here's the thing. He, 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 he needs a hit. Owen Wilson needs a hit. They both really need to, like, their, 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 their quote is is sagging, right? People, aren't, people are thinking twice when they walk in and go, yeah, I need to pay me whatever, seven figures. It, people are like, mm, so they need something.
0: He's not the late 90s, early no. aughts rom-com guy. No. Right? Uh, Walter Mitty tanked.
1: It tanked. Which right? is Which
0: is sad because it's not that bad.
1: Really? It's not a bad movie. It, I, I mean, it's it, – it anyway.
0: Now, Stiller directs also. Yeah. And he's not bad. No. I mean, he's fine. But he can't open a movie like he did. No. Unless he's in a franchise piece like uh, Night at the Museum, Secret yep. of the Tomb, which um, – I have to admit that I, I, I skimmed through because it's just I, – I mean, really, am I going to sit through this? No. Um, Robin Williams in one of his final performances is in this. Uh, so, yeah, you know what? It's it's for the kids. You know what? If you want to throw something on with the kids in the room and, uh, you, you know, you can check your phone while they're watching it, you know, you can do worse than that at the museum. But it's just really just – it's just pale and it just feels like a copy upon a copy upon a copy. And uh, I just wish this uh, franchise would go away.
1: I concur. Uh, you know, it should be a franchise. Uh, is Low Down? This would be an amazing. If they could do like Low Down two and three and four, I think this would be amazing. But they won't because there's really no more to the story. Low Down is a uh, an oscilloscope release, and this should have. This is one of these movies. You're like, why wasn't this in the awards mix? Why didn't this become a thing? I, you know, a, a oscilloscope. Somebody really needs to help oscilloscope figure out how to make films eligible for awards. To, to get them to promote these things, because they, they missed the boat on this. Um, the, uh, this is basically uh, set in the 1970s, as were several movies you know that we had. We had uh, the P.T. Anderson film, and we had the uh, J.C. Chandor film. Those both were really great evocations of the 70s, and this one is too. Um, it stars John Hawks and Elle Fanning, and it's based on the true story of a uh, jazz musician, Joe Albany, who is this amazing, phenomenal jazz musician, but he's also a, uh, just crippled by heroin addiction. And uh, it's the story of his relationship with his daughter, kind of like you, Wade. Exactly, by uh, it's so true. Uh, you it's know, a hell of a drug, Wade. It, it's, it, it really is. And and I got to tell you, I don't like I don't like the quality of your spoons or your or your stove. I, it just doesn't. <laughs> Stop doesn't...
0: pretending like you know what it is to. to... I've seen.
1: I've, I've You've seen. You seen movies. the movies? I've seen the movies. By the way. Um. The the uh, the, uh, the Jean Dujardin uh, French Connection movie. Oh, is it the, good? The Connection. No, I haven't seen it yet. I heard but it's a, good. I hear it's fantastic. Got good write ups. I hear it's is fantastic.
0: It, wait, is it screening? Uh,
1: okay. There there are screenings uh, that are coming up, and I think they're going to send me a, a screener link for it. Have you gotten? So I'll the, let you know. Have
0: you gotten the screening invite?
1: Uh, no. Because
0: I haven't gotten it either. No. Because you know, I've seen the
1: trailer. I'm dying to see. Trails it. Trades like
0: it. It's, oh. it's basically the it's basically the French flip side to the yes. French Connection.
1: Yeah. It just looks her, it's no, Dujardin, man, it's <laughs> Dujardin.
0: But I've never seen... But yeah, yes. oh,
1: by the way, no, I, I was just about to announce something that I'm not at liberty to announce yet, so never mind. You're gay? No, thank but you. by that would be fine. I, I know. Nothing wrong with that, right? Yeah, nothing wrong Anyway, so uh, this is directed by Jeff Priest, who's very talented and uh, who contributes to the commentary along with uh, composer Ohad Talmor and film critic Ed Halter. And uh, it, this also has an excerpt from uh, his daughter's memoir, and an in- interview with his daughter, and flea of all people, even a featurette. So low down from Oscilloscope, a good indie from last year that you should check out because John John Hawks, man, that guy just brings it. He's, just, he's great. He's so. But you know what? Here's good. the thing,
0: though. Uh, you're thinking, what does John Hawks do? Like, what, can he play? Like, could you? Could John Hawks make half a million dollars? For uh, ten days of work in like Independence Day 2 playing like the general who says, shoot him
1: down. No, but you know who could? Maybe he could. The, the actress who played his, uh, his niece in the movie that uh, brought them both to prominence. That would be Winter's Bone. Which brings me to oh, Jennifer oh, Lawrence. God, that's terrible. <laughs> uh, you like that segue? Not really. The Winter's Bone, John Hawkesy, Jennifer Lawrence segue? Come on. Give it up.
0: You know, the porn version is called Winter's Boner.
1: I I am so ashamed of this show right now I've never been more ashamed of us Okay, uh, Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1 Which continues this ridiculous tradition now That started with the Harry Potter films Of once we get down to the final chapter We have to turn it into two movies So trilogies can no longer be trilogies They now become four films
0: Quadrilogies. And, yeah,
1: so however many parts there are to the story, there will always be one extra part as you extend the finale for the sake of just trying to juice the audience for a little bit more.
0: And, and, it's and, a
1: horrible thing. They every, did that with Twilight, they're doing it with this, they're going to do everyone it. Everyone
0: says the same thing. They all say that the first one is just a table setter. Yeah. You know, just a money grabbing table That's setter all it for the is. last one, which That's is all you know, it the is. one where
1: all the big special effects are. It's ridiculous. Are it's absurd. But anyway, that said, I, I'm, I'm liking this series more now. I really am He's Francis
0: Lawrence You were surprised That Francis Lawrence Is bringing it I'll
1: tell you Francis Lawrence Totally brought it With the second film Not that Gary Ross Is a bad director Gary Ross is a terrific director And I'm really looking forward To the the Civil War thing That he's doing with, uh, With Matthew McConaughey Sounds fantastic Really sounds great Um But Gary Ross is too slick of a director, too kind of arty of a director for for The Hunger Games. The first film, he had no schedule and no budget, and you could tell that it's rushed and it's all handheld camera. And it's the whole, you know, game concept that just, I never really got behind. It's like a cheap version of uh, The Running Man. It's just, it's lame. And uh, I I thought the first film was horrible. I thought it was absolutely dreadful. The second film, Francis Lawrence, they gave it more of a budget and he totally brought it and even though it was a little bit of a rerun of the first film I at least started to understand where we were going now that we're no longer stuck in that stupid arena with people trying to kill each other now that there's really this kind of cool geopolitical insurgency thing going on sure and by the way I much prefer the divergent insurgent that whole thing I'm seeing insurgent this week I gotta talk about it on radio on Friday wait a minute I didn't get that invite you you didn't no okay I'll send it to you
0: well here's the thing they're screening it this week they are
1: yeah, by sure the way, to... not
0: that I'm going to see it. And, and, and double, by I the way. I that. prefer
1: that, that. I prefer that storyline more. Really? but uh, Yeah. Because there's more mystery to it. Every, you, you're, 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 at least with Divergent, you're like, how did the world get to this place? Because there's this big mystery. Like, they don't tell you how this happened. Is, are there other cities? What happened with Armageddon? It's all a big, big mystery, you know? Why are some people divergent? There, there, there's much more mystery. With this, we just, like, Donald Sutherland is a dictator and he's just, he's oppressing everyone. And, and you know, Elizabeth Banks wears a weird wig. And 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 screw you. Have you and seen they, and the, this girl? Uh, she, and she's a Mockingjay, and she shoots arrows. And now she's going to be the new Luke Skywalker.
0: Have you seen the uh, the the? Uh, she's the last, chosen one. The Last Man on Earth,
1: the Fox sitcom. Why? Would, how is that, how are they going to sustain that? How does that sustain? <laughs> well, there'll be more people. He'll meet more people. And, no, he won't. He's yeah. the Last Man on Earth. No, he's not.
0: You, you can't sustain that concept. He's not. He's not going to be the Last Man on Earth for the seven seasons. Well, that's apparently the
1: idea. <laughs> Is, you know, Will Forte just running around, going hog wild in grocery stores and hardware stores and jumping into pools and doing uh, whatever it is he does.
0: First of all, Fox would not have greenlit that series unless unless X number of episodes were pitched. That's it. That show a certain amount of growth in the series.
1: That's it. There's a wonderful sneak peek on here of Insurgent because Lionsgate has to keep cross-pollinating all this stuff. And once, honestly, once the the Hunger Games is done and the Insurgent-Divergent thing is done – and, and they obviously have no more Twilight movies what are they going to do uh, th- th-
0: you they've, know been ri-
1: they've been riding this young adult female driven uh, l- you know, uh, l- train for a long time
0: right now there is there are literally about 750 female writers about 47 years old yeah. who are trying to write these books to get them optioned
1: yeah well and I, you don't know what? I don't and, know that there's any more out there and
0: right now there's galley's versions of all those books on all spread out all over the studio desks in town
1: a lot of extras on here Francis Lawrence and producer Nina Jacobson who I admire the hell out of do a great commentary Nina Jacobson rocks I'm so proud of her she got screwed by Disney when they fired her you remember this whole thing right she was the one who was like we're giving M. Night Shyamalan too too long of a leash and they're like he's M. Night Shyamalan they fired her and of course, his movie tanked, and his movies have been tanking ever since, and his career's in the toilet. Um, and she was the only creative exec in Hollywood who had any kind of guts about how to deal with talent and when to rein them in and when to give them, you know, more leash. She knew it. She should be running a studio. They cut her loose, and she's like, "Fine, I'll go do my own thing." Hunger Games. She nailed it. Nina Jacobson, well done. You rock. Love you. Uh, you're you are a model of how every executive and producer should uh, build their careers. Uh, great commentary along with Francis Lawrence. Love them both. And uh, a lot of you know, featurettes and documentary things. And uh, you know what? This is really getting to be an interesting story now. It's getting to be very, very interesting.
0: You it, can't say that because now you're going against your wishes that they don't yeah. break up the last film into two films.
1: I know, but but I'm saying it's, it's more interesting now than it was.
0: All right, so here's the thing with Exodus. The thing with that, the, the one thing that I learned from Exodus mm-hmm. is that I am very glad Ridley Scott is not directing the Alien new Alien film.
1: Because uh, well, Ridley I, Scott has lost it. I wish there were it's no over. Alien film, but okay, go Ridley on. Ridley
0: Scott... Well, it, it depends which Neil Blomkamp is directing. Is he District Nine Neil Blomkamp directing? Or is he Chappie? Or
1: <laughs> is he the Chappie? Neil or
0: Blomkamp? as as Neil Blomkamp's as 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 the, as the that, shine as the luster starts to lose, uh,
1: <laughs> he lined that he lined that gig up before Chappie was, was even uh, getting close to being released in theaters because they knew what the reaction of Chappie was. His agents were like, "Dude, you got to line up something good because this <laughs> is not <laughs> once the reviews hit, this will not turn out well."
0: I'm just not sure which which Neil Blomkamp is the, is the was the real one. Is it the right one, or is he, he shouldn't he-
1: be writing? They'll, he'll be fine if they hand him a good script. All
0: right. Anyway, yeah. uh, Exodus: Gods and Kings uh, is, of course, based on the uh, based on the story with the locusts and the plagues and the sea and it parts and everything. Um, <laughs> you know, the thing is, is that I, I, I don't
1: know that I don't know that story. Can you
0: explain it I a little? Don't know. Some a, crap happens. Who okay. Knows? Um, look, I'm not saying that this film does not have its uh, visual pleasures. Although nowadays, you know audiences are way less likely to be, you know, impressed by effects than they used to be, Yeah, you know the problem with the movie, and, and by the way as, as, a, as, a, as a film, I much prefer Noah to this, by a long shot Yeah, this movie is just, it's oddly cast, it's a little bit silly, you know I, I just think this it was not satisfying at all.
1: And, and And I'm not a fan of the original Ten Commandments by any means but it's still one of the most successful films ever made, for a reason I don't know what that reason is but for a reason.
0: Yeah, it's just uh, – I, I just think that this thing's a total misfire. You're much better off renting the original Ten Commandments and then Noah, and then you'll get a sense of how Hollywood has treated biblical epics in the past and in the present, at least respectfully. I'm not saying Exodus is not a respectful retelling. I'm saying that the fact that it's a biblical tale is almost immaterial. They just love the fact that it, was, it, was, it had a high-concept cast and a lot of special effects possibilities – and as somebody who is not religious at all, you do expect if it's the story of Exodus, you know, you expect it to be a serious story, you know, yeah. and not just something silly and campy and and, and badly cast and uh, a little bit soulless. And that's kind of what Exodus is.
1: Well, another movie that kind of got the shaft at the, uh, th- the in awards season is uh, the last of Robin Hood, which is not great, but um, it should it, it deserved better. Uh, it really did. Uh, last of Robin Hood is uh, on Blu-ray and DVD. We only got the uh, DVD of it for some on strange peculiar reason but uh, Last of Robin Hood is stars Kevin Kline as an aging uh, Errol Flynn who decides to uh, you know take up with this young starlet in this case played by Dakota Fanning sister obviously older sister of Elle who we mentioned earlier uh, who is this young starlet named Beverly Adland and her mom is uh, uh, played by Susan Sarandon who's just you know that typical showbiz mom who wants to just ride her daughter to you know the ends of the earth and really exploit the fame and it's an interesting story, um, nicely put together. I, it's not a perfect film by any means. It, it should have been better. It could have been better. Uh, the script isn't quite as honed as you would hope for this kind of a story. But that said, I, everybody's really good. And Kevin Klein is just, he always brings it. He's never bad. Even, he's when, he, even when he's in a film that's you know not quite up to snuff, he finds spaces, right? He yeah. finds those little pockets to do interesting things and really keep it uh, engaging. And, uh, and Susan Sarandon doesn't have much to do either, but she makes the most of it. So, I, you know, I'd say, I'd guardedly say this is worth checking out.
0: Uh, wait, what is not worth checking out is the uh, Misbegotten Remake of Annie. And uh, you know what? I was going to – I was curious because uh, Will Gluck, the director, directed Easy A, which was the coming out party for Emma Stone. Sure. But here he finds – we find him with absolutely no – he has no clue on how to direct a musical. I mean I remember – I was sitting in this film and the climactic dance number, the one where everybody lives happily ever after, is literally on this enormous empty pier. Yeah. There's like three characters dancing on an enormous empty pier. Like it's the end of the movie. Give me the cheerleaders and the extras and the five hundred people dancing and singing and waving, going yeah, crazy. But that's and, not
1: who he is. And you
0: find, but get this: you finally get that over the end credits. Yeah. Over the end credits, you finally get everybody taking their curtain call with the cheerleaders and the streamers and everything happening. And like that's you, you save that for the end credits. <laughs> you put it in the movie. It was very yeah. surprising. And uh, you know what, uh, Quenza, Vani, Harry Potter. Uh, Wallace, she's so cute and so terrific. I, you know, really, this—the fact that she wasn't that good in it—I I really can't blame her. I think she's just wonderful, um, but I just think that this thing was just the script was terrible. This, you know, this—they—they they updated the script with all these references to like Instagram and, and, and social media. It's like, who cares? Stop trying to appeal to kids. Oh, mommy, I love this movie because they mentioned Instagram. Who cares? So it's just—it's uh, just this thing was just. Just surprisingly bad. Um, however, can I, can I say something about um, sure. Rose Byrne? Yeah. I don't know ro- where Rose Byrne came from. I see her all the time. I've decided that she's delicious.
1: I like her. I like her a lot. Yes.
0: Yep. Put that out there. Yep.
1: Rose, Rose Byrne Red Hot. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! I don't get it. Okay, so Halo Nightfall uh, from executive producer Ridley Scott. Once once more, Ridley Scott. Here's here's the problem. You remember when Halo was making the rounds and and Microsoft thought, "Oh, I played
0: Halo. Halo was the only game." Here's the thing. Uh, I don't play video games all the way through, but the only video game that I played almost all the way through before I lost interest was Halo. I I played like eighty percent of Halo. It was so good.
1: Microsoft thought uh, the same thing. This is so good. We are going to get the movie rights to Halo going, and we are going to run this train. And, uh, like, every studio in town was like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. Like, no one wanted to meet Microsoft's exorbitant demands for, for making a Halo movie, which was something obnoxious, like, you, you pay the whole budget and we, make all, we take home all the money. It was some – they had terms that they just thought they had the golden goose. They thought everyone's gonna, everyone wants us. And, of course, it didn't work out. And they wanted, well, we'll make a Halo movie by ourselves. Well, here we are, and this, this Halo franchise is really not very good. Um, and this just goes to show you Microsoft does not know how to make movies. Um, I mean, it's got proficient, you know, production design and, and production. Value. This is live action. This is live action, um, and it's certainly very proficient. But uh, the the story is nothing to scream about. There's a, there's a million other movies that go direct to video that are comparable to this. It, the characters aren't there. The storyline isn't there. It's just not very engaging. Uh, and of course, it's the whole you know, it's the whole Commandos on an alien world thing. And it's got you know, the, its obligatory little twists and turns. Um, but uh, bottom line, I watch this and all I can think of is, thank God for Starship Troopers, because that's the one movie that did this whole thing right. I love that movie. It's just so funny. There's not a joke anywhere in this. There's no. There's no levity in this anymore. Which is also, as long as we're talking about it, this is the beauty of Ed Newmyer, right? Ed Newmyer is he just kills it. Same thing with RoboCop, the original RoboCop, funny as hell. This new RoboCop, there's no jokes. It's like it's all self serious and, 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 and brooding. Screw it. Make me laugh, man. Make me laugh. When you're going to go all cyberpunk on me, give me, a, give me some jokes for crying out loud. See, what
0: I loved about Starship Troopers is that it was the most violent. Mainstream studio film oh, I had seen. Fantastic. I'm not even sure what I even see other than like Scarface or whatever. It just,
1: it's just it's like it's just
0: brutally violent.
1: <laughs> Bodies being ripped apart. That's great. <laughs> it was fantastic. I mean, I, it's cathartic in a comic way, you know. I
0: I I, I love Starship
1: so By the way, it's speaking awesome. of, I'm on I'm on uh, NPR on Friday. Yeah, and, blah blah blah. Um, one of the, one of the films, and well, I'm on with Tim. And one of the films that we're supposed to talk about, which I watched a couple nights ago. I don't know that we're going to get to it. We may not. It's probably going to be fairly. Low down the totem, but it's called zombie beavers. <laughs> like a zombie porn film or something? No, it's it's literally about zombie beavers, like damn beavers who 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 go. They get in to- contaminated with toxic waste and go on a rampage. And I kid you not, the, the beavers are like it's like they were they're done and operated by the same guy that did the Gopher in uh, in uh, in Caddyshack. Caddyshack. Yeah, it's that same lo- it's that same low tech. So you have this little puppet it's beaver. Like, car- it's like ah! trauma esque. Oh, it's hysterical. But you have to be, but you have to really just. It's, it's not so bad that it's good, it's, it's so bad that it's tolerably worse.
0: I, I think the zombie thing is starting to oh, yeah, fizzle out. Oh, yeah. For sure, yeah. We're done with the vampire thing. The zombie thing wound up being very resilient. Agreed. But uh, now it's. Uh,
1: so we're getting down to the end here of our, uh, of our uh, new films. Uh, let me just blow through these three real quickly. Uh, Bruce Willis is starting to do uh, just sort of anything that comes along. He and Thomas Jane are in this movie called Vice, uh, which, you know, uh, it's it's middling. If it didn't have Bruce Willis in it, it really wouldn't be much to uh, to talk about. Uh, this is kind of a, a sort of a near-future sci-fi thing, uh, you know, artificial intelligence deal, uh, Matrix-y. Um, it's okay. <sighs> yeah, right? It just, it just feels like we've done that thing to death. So uh, it's okay. Uh, serviceable. That's on Blu-ray and uh, digital HD+. Uh, you know the the uh, the, the, digi- the digital copy thing on it. Uh, then we also have Pioneer, which is uh, this is not bad actually. This is from Magnolia. This is on Blu-ray. Uh, some really great underwater stuff in this thing. Uh, an okay cast. Uh, you know, not brilliant or anything. This takes place in the early nineteen eighties, and uh, this has to do with the uh, you know the when there was like an oil boom in the North Sea. And, uh, it's, it, it's, it's the whole, you know, it's about a diver who's just determined to, uh, you know, prove that he can go as deep as possible in that, uh, horrible, miserable part of the ocean. And, uh, it's, uh, it's got great underwater stuff. I mean, as, as far as plot, it, you know, leaves a little bit to be desired, but, uh you know Eric Skoldeberg who directed it is going to probably have a pretty decent career i think so uh he'll make the jump from Scandinavian films to Hollywood films and he'll make a few things so i'm sure somebody'll pay attention to him and then um stop pepper palmer peppa stop, pig stop pepper palmer peppa pig this is uh from level 33 and uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know it's an okay low budget indie with kind of a cute little fish out of water concept to it it's basically about the only three black guys in utah i don't know if there's only three probably a couple hundred but not a lot for sure but anyway that's the that's the concept here and uh it's it's cute and uh you know they uh they're having a good time until hey the only black woman in utah has now moved into town fill in the blanks it's cute uh, you know, as as far as a a kind of somewhat gently subversive romantic comedy with a fish out of water element to it, it uh, it kind of goes where where you think it's going to go, but it's still it's okay for what little they had to work with. They did a decent job.
0: You know, you know what movie uh, uh, really came out of nowhere, and I thought to myself, it wow. should go back.
1: No, I thought, to I myself, know, I this agree. Winner, it is it's top sh- five, right? For Chris Rock. He and he and he directed it too. We should point out, and it, this thing just, was. It, it, a huge sale at Sundance. This blew everyone's socks off.
0: Well, it, it was. It, you know what? It was so. It was so candid and funny yeah. and reflexive and smart and hilarious and accomplished. You know, it's his third feature by far his best. Yeah. And uh, I, this thing just took everybody by surprise in terms of how good it was. You know, what's funny. It's almost. It's almost too smart and too good. Because you figure yep. if it's Chris Rock, it's going to be crazy, wacky, hilarious, hijinks, and it'll be the, the, the black guy, and it'll be the white cop, and it'll be crazy. That's not what Top 5 is. No. Nah. It's – what I liked about it so much is that it you can tell it comes from him. It's It sort of captures that life in the celebrity fast lane thing, but – It's never self-pitying. Oh, poor celebrities. They have it so hard. You just get a sense of this is what his life is, this character's life, and by extension, Chris Rock's life and many other celebrities' lives are like, and that's okay. And so it's got a great cast. It's with uh, Rosario Dawson also is in it. Um, Cedric the Entertainer, Tracy Morgan is in it, Kevin Hart um, is in it, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, Gabriel Union. It's got a great cast. The thing is just – just terrific! It uh, there was a huge bidding war at Toronto on this thing, and uh, you know the funny. That's thing right. it was
1: Toronto, not Sundance. It was Toronto where it sold, but it was it was it was a huge sale. It was, it was a huge, huge sale,
0: and it it, it deserved it. Yeah. Even it's funny. It was a huge sale, even though I I never really saw the financial upside of the film. It, but still, it's a terrific film, and a film that really deserves to be rented and seen. Top five.
1: I agree. All right, Mark, we're going to get to television in a second. I got a whole bunch of uh, uh library titles here, classic titles. I'm going to kind of fly through these as fast as I can. Uh Criterion Blu-ray of Ride the Pink Horse, uh which is a uh, film directed by Robert Montgomery, the uh the actor who uh not known really as a uh as a, you know, a filmmaker, but he made a great film here that gets the Criterion treatment from, uh, criterion treatment from 1947. A really, really cool crime noir uh, from a, nor- a novel by Dorothy B. Hughes, who's, who I had never heard of. Johnny B. Good? Uh, no. Dorothy B. Hughes. Dorothy B. Hughes. What? Johnny B. Good. I don't know what you're talking about. Dorothy B. Hughes. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But I'm, I'm trying Johnny to. I'm B. trying to shoot you down. Good. Trying to shoot you down. <laughs>
0: I'm shooting myself down. Anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> a Self-inflicted wound on that
1: one. Takes place in New Mexico, and uh, this is a guy who's trying to uh, get. He's a you know former uh, GI tries to get revenge on a uh, on a on a gangster, uh, and uh, you get all the usual noir twists and turns that come thereafter. The New Mexico uh, uh, backdrop. At a time when they chose it because they wanted it to be the backdrop, not because they got film tax credits, there uh, works out really, really nicely. And great sporting uh, performances, a fantastic script by Ben Hecht, and some uh, you know some some really, really, really nice little uh, little extras. Not a lot, just kind of a, you know a few little things, the usual uh, essay and that kind of stuff. But uh, really, really great Blu-ray of Ride the Pink Horse, fantastic.
0: Now wait, here's the thing: if you if you say to yourself. Who's Ben Hecht? What yeah. did he write? Whoa! Everything.
1: He wrote The front everything. the front page is the one that everyone always points to as kind of his crowning achievement. But I mean everything else is ben, it's just, gone with
0: the wind. His Girl Friday.
1: His Girl Friday. But you know, the front page Wuthering is sort of Heights? Totally. It's just it's it's classic after classic after classic. Notorious? Yep. So here's what else we've got. We also have Troop Beverly Hills with Shelley Long. Oh my goodness! What
0: happened? To, I'm, you know what? I'm going to do a Wikipedia. I'm going to do a Shelley Google Long. image. I'm going to do a Google image search right now on Shelley Long. Shelley, what happened to her?
1: This this also has ultraviolet for those who want to be watching this on their iPad. But Shelley Long, it's so sad. She did outrageous fortune with Beth Medler right after she was segueing into movies out of coming out of Cheers. This was her and, play for like you know and,
0: I'm going to top line a movie man, and carry it myself. She wanted
1: to be she wanted to be the new Goldie Hawn and it just never worked out for her. She just made one bomb after another. Outrageous Fortune was, was good, but she just one bomb after another. 65 years old. Oh, Shelley. Uh, Tom Cruise in Jack Reacher has been out before, but because it's a Paramount release, it is now out again through Warner Brothers, because Warner Brothers now controls the Paramount catalog after about six months, and so they're re-releasing Jack Reacher, which I think is probably a good idea, because it's a good film. By
0: the way, uh, uh, Shelley Long... David O'Yellow was in it. He's awesome. I like him. Yep. Um... Shelly Long was recently interviewed on grandparents.com.
1: That's good. <laughs> I'm thrilled. Uh, also out from Sony. Uh, never out before. This is newly mastered in 4K and put out on beautiful Blu ray. Is My Girl with uh, Macaulay Culkin and Anna Klumsky. Anna Klumsky? Anna Klumsky's like got a – she's like a doctorate or a lawyer or something. She's got like a whole career doing something Damn important. right.
0: She made it over the wall. That's she what did. we say. She made it over the wall.
1: And Macaulay Culkin is, is still trying to get an acting career. Uh, Wait, so
0: Shelley Long was on Modern Family.
1: I didn't realize you. that. And Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee Curtis are in this, of course. And it's a, this is still a lovely film. I, uh, I, I, of course, am not a Macaulay Culkin fan. I particularly was not a fan of him at this point in time. But Anna Klumsky is irresistible. And uh, Howard Zeef hadn't really done anything even remotely this good at any other point in his career. But it's really lovely, great James Newton Howard music. And one of the few films uh, that Brian Grazer has made uh, independent of Ron Howard that actually works. Uh, as a producer, he usually needs Ron Howard desperately to direct his stuff, but he, he and Ziff work uh, really nicely here. And Anna Klumsky, she's the best. It's on Blu-ray, my girl. Uh, we talked last week, uh, or maybe it was last week, I think we talked about uh, Kirk Honeycutt's book on John Hughes. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's he's making the rounds. He, he's on Facebook. He's got pictures of him doing book signings left and right. It's fantastic. So proud of him. And the Breakfast Club 30th Anniversary Edition is coinciding with that. And that is out now on a Blu-ray digital HD combo set, which includes, obviously, uh, the obligatory Ultraviolet. Uh, this has a trivia track. And, uh, Don't need it. Oh, I've, I've got... fantastic. Twelve-part documentary. Uh,
0: you know what? The The Breakfast Club D- uh, Blu-ray I have is just fine.
1: And a commentary by uh, Anthony Michael Hall and Judd Nelson. It's a great movie. Uh, Breakfast Club still one of the seminal films of our youth. Not a seminal film of our youth is Fifty Two Pickup, uh, which is John Frankenheimer. No, des- it's good. You like
0: Fifty Two Pickup? It's got a great chase scene. And what else? That's it. That's all. It the has. whole reason. Look, the whole reason this movie was oh made. The whole reason this movie was made is because what's his name? Who uh, who produced um, uh, French Connection? No, no, that's not true. Wait, wait. Actually, I'm thinking of the wrong movie.
1: Oh, I'm thinking of the
0: Seven Ups. No, wait. You, the, Which se, is the, the movie? Seven,
1: the Seven Ups was the was the was the, uh, uh, the was Roy Scheider's follow up. It was his attempt to go independent from. Are you, thinking, are you thinking? of the chase scene in the Seven Ups where the car goes yes. under the truck. That's the Seven Ups. Yes. 50, that that was no, that
0: was produced by the same guy who produced. Uh, uh, French Connection I was, I was, and he wanted to he wanted to outdo th- the French Connection yeah that's right that was stupid okay you threw me don't stop recording threw me for a second don't I'm stop like, recording 52
1: pickup, there's no chasing no this <laughs> <52 laughs> <52 laughs> movie sucks I was trying I was trying to remember the chase scene 7 Ops 52
0: okay. Pickup same thing
1: alright whatever John Frankenheimer directed this who also directed French Connection 2 so there's a bit of a connection here a French Connection a French Connection <laughs> Anyway, this was a uh, this was a, uh, a canon film. Uh, Golan Globus did this uh, with John Frankenheimer trying to sort of you know maintain. He's trying to be the man still. Nineteen eighty six, not really. Uh, based on a novel by Elmore Leonard, but you know Roy Scheider and Anne Margaret just can't quite do it. It just doesn't. Uh, I don't know. It, it just it's just. Nothing, I can't
0: take Anne Margaret seriously. Like nothing. Like, like you know
1: what this film? If this film had been made in, in nineteen sixty eight. It's been made like, you know, uh, 14 years earlier or, or nearly or 18 years earlier. It, it would have been a better movie. But for some reason, in the mid 80s, Frankenheimer is too old and uh, Roy Scheider is kind of losing it and Anne Margaret's too old and everybody's too old and nobody can kind of <laughs> inject this material with anything. You know, it just doesn't, it's, it's just not. You right.
0: know what it is? There's something about those 80s, like, like Carol Coe type you know, Mercury Rising, Fifty Two Pickup—that whole era of, of, like, you know, yeah. thrillers—they just became so generic.
1: Well, I'm going I'm to roll quickly now through the rest of these Kino things because we got a bunch of TV. We have got to pile through here real quickly before the show ends. Uh, Kino Lorber and their uh, their UA uh, through th- is part of their Scorpion releasing line, um, which you know, Scorpion releases a lot of uh, licensed product through Kino Lorber as well. So uh, they've released Hester Street. Which was written and directed by Joan Micklin Silver when nice she was movie. when she was a big thing, and then she pr- promptly became a nothing. It's the strangest thing I in the know. world. Didn't you think that she was going to be like the first big female director of the like new Osc- era?
0: Yeah, like Oscar. Like, she she uh, would an it, Oscar someday doing it, something. Yeah, as it, opposed like Amy Heckerling who would just do comedies, but be popular to do comedies. I mean, this is seventy five. This know. is the
1: mid seventies when there were yeah. no women making movies. That's it right. wasn't until the eighties till you suddenly had you know Amy Heckling and and uh, you know Penny Marshall, and there were a whole. I mean, there were a ton of them in the in the set in the eighties, but. I mean, Joan Macklin-Silver had it going on. There was nobody else other than, uh, you know, Elaine May, really. Uh, and that, even Elaine
0: May, you know, she directed a couple films, one, a couple that were terrific, including yeah. Ishtar, but Ishtar, what, what's going to happen after Ishtar? Well, anyway, he Hester destroyed. Street,
1: Hester Street, 1975, one of the great movies of the 70s. I really think this is a terrific film. Beautifully, beautiful, beautiful recreation of the, uh, you know, late 19th century uh, America. Uh, Carol Kane is fantastic in this Doris Roberts is wonderful in this um, and, and uh, you know it's just it, it, it's just great to have it on Blu-ray thank goodness but honestly and, and Stephen Keats what happened to him I know he just went nowhere. nowhere like this movie lit a fuse and then it just it, it petered yeah. out it's too bad so Hester Street is a really a wonderful period of vacation. you gotta check that out and then uh, from the uh, 20th Century Fox MGM line of these Kino Lorber studio releases, here's what else we got. The uh, Russians are coming. The Russians are coming, which is hysterical. Theater by Kell. As the, as the Russian is just great. Carl Reiner, Alan Arkin, Jonathan Winters. I mean, this, this is just a truly wonderful, hysterical film and uh, profoundly funny, wonderfully directed by Norman Jewison, uh, a real classic. You've got to check that out. That's on Blu-ray. Uh, Fist with Sylvester Stallone. And uh, co-starring our good friend Melinda Dillon, who I have to call this week, actually. Uh, is, is, this is maybe the most honest thing that uh, Joe Haas ever wrote. And maybe the honest, most honest performance that Sylvester Stallone ever gave, because it's a real movie. It's two and a half hours long, uh, and it is a great look at uh, a big chunk of Union history... Uh, and that that really no other movie I don't think has has treated quite as, as honestly and aggressively. Great supporting performances Peter Boyle, Rod Steiger, um, uh, Kevin Conway, uh, really just, I, I think Fist is a really underrated film. I agree, totally yeah. agree. Yep, good stuff.
0: Uh, Rivers but- Edge,
1: Rivers Edge, the movie that uh, gave us Keanu Reeves and scared the daylights out of us with Crispin Glover, that is out now. Tim Hunter never really did much with his career after this uh, either. Dennis Hopper does a, a, a nice, uh, kind of, uh, has a nice appearance in this. Uh, Crispin Glover is still terrifying in this movie, it scares the daylights out of me. Neil Jimenez, who wrote it, would go on to do the uh, the Water It was a water Dance, right?
0: Water Dance is a turing film.
1: Which is all about him and with, his, his uh, injury and all that. That's right,
0: with Wesley Snipes. Yep, and uh, Eric Stoltz. That's, that's right. great.
1: That Neil Jimenez basically became a paraplegic. Right. And uh, that's uh, really the only other thing that he's done as a writer. But uh, Tim Hunter, what's he doing? He did, did a bunch of TV. He did some Twin Peaks. And...
0: I think all the people in this show who have disappeared should all get together and do one big movie.
1: Yeah, I guess. Falcon and the Snowman. Never really liked this. Another John Schlesinger misfire for me. Uh, Timothy Hutton and Sean Penn in the uh, true story um, of the uh, you know that that whole cocaine thing. um, You know the uh, with selling the government secrets to the Russians, and there was a whole. It, you know, it was like, it was like the drug – I, I don't even know how to get explain this in the 30 seconds that I've got. But, you, you know, it was a – This is
0: a terrific film. Falcon You like this?
1: Yes. Man. It had, had that great uh, David Bowie theme song. Anyway, there's a whole it's – it's It's like drugs and espionage, bottom line, right? It's all drugs and espionage. And, sh- yes, Sean Penn with that fake nose is, is good. Yes. But I – You like it? I, I thought no, it was very it atmospheric. Just, yeah, it didn't work for me. This
0: it didn't is work not- for me. America! It's, it, it's Steve,
1: no, it, it's it's the, you know, it, I, I respect the script. Steve Zalian wrote the script, and I respect the craft of the script, but I just didn't think that Schlesinger ever kind of got a... Got to hand This is three Schlesinger films in two weeks that we've just completely ripped apart. You know, that? <laughs> I love him; he's great. I do too. But it's just like at a certain point in his career, he just became the guy that you know put scenes together. <laughs> he just doesn't. You know, Aww. the craft isn't there. The, the, there's no sort of fine tuning and tweaking and finessing the the product. It's just sort of all right. We're done. Let's move on. Make a product. And, he, didn't, know,
0: he didn't. He uh, didn't. He he didn't exploit the political aspects of the script to really make a statement like Schlesinger did like the old in the, the mid sixties yeah. when he's helping to bring down the production
1: code. Yeah. Exactly, right. it's like it's like he felt like he had to just get through the you know the, get through the twelve hours because he had a geritol waiting for him back at the hotel room. <laughs> that's what it felt like. How dare you. All right, and then lastly on the uh, on the Pat catalog. Pat Metheny did
0: the, the, the score, by the way. Pat Metheny. Yeah, it's a good score. As your parents.
1: And then uh, and then on the uh, Robert Aldrich. There's a guy who just knew how to bring it. Ten seconds to hell with uh, Jack Palance and Jeff Chandler. Uh, that's
0: that's by the way what the women call my, uh, call me in bed. Pretty great. It calls ten seconds to hell.
1: Nah, that's what I've heard. Well, I, this is a great. See, w- That was a
0: joke there. I, I tried. Know. I you know. It, the bridge was out on the road to comedy. I think that the idea was there. I apologize to everybody. I, I promise to do better next time.
1: Very good. Well, Jack Palance and Jeff Chandler play a couple of uh, German demolition experts during World War II, uh, who come back to Berlin and uh, basically take on the task of uh, defusing Allied bombs that have you know been that that, that did not explode when they hit the ground and uh, this it, is a pretty great movie it's intense and it's tough and it's got uh, just beautiful photography really well done by Robert Aldrich who just is one of the great directors of, uh, of the 50s and 60s and uh, I, I just can't recommend this more highly this is really a fantastic film 10 seconds to hell
0: okay grumpy cat yeah
1: alright let's do some TV
0: wait there was a show called Gomer Pyle. oh
1: this surprise
0: surprise surprise look this show sucks
1: I love this No, show.
0: you know what? I loved it too when I was a kid and it was in, it was in like super syndicated reruns. You know, it's, uh, it's just horrible. It's just, the best. No, it's not. Great show. So Jim Neighbors, you know, when, when we were growing up, we thought like, because we were just kids and we had no idea that like TV people were, were, weren't their actual characters. Like I thought comedian Foster Brooks actually was drunk all the time. And I thought that, that, that Jim Neighbors was this big bumbling southern idiot. Turns out uh, he was an actor. Yep, Gomer Pyle was actually played by a performer
1: yeah, named he,
0: Jim Neighbors, who was an amazing singer. Amazing,
1: phenomenal. Yes,
0: Shazam!
1: Great, love it. And this is a, this is a, by the way, Gomer Pyle. People don't realize was a spinoff from the Andy Griffith Show. That is true. Uh, and uh, Gomer was uh, Goober's cousin. Goober Pyle, of course, you know, was stayed on the sh- Goober continued to be a big part of the uh, the show, but Gomer spun off and became uh, joined the, the Marines, and and it wound up becoming, I think, an even more popular show than uh, the Andy Griffith show.
0: That is true. Now they've released the CBS Home Entertainment released a bunch of these uh, in uh, season sets, but now you can get all 150 episodes on That's one so big great. honking thing. I love it, and uh, I, just ima- I'm, I just cannot imagine. I just cannot imagine. It's I mean, the they did a good job. Here's the thing: usually, when they do this, when they release the season yeah. sets and then decide to put it all, it's great all out in one big honking thing, they usually take the season sets and just shrink wrap them together,
1: or they put them in little slimline packages. You'll you lose. This is great. It's Here one. They did a good job. It's it's one big kind of digipacky thing, impact resistant with little uh, with all the discs in it. It's very nice. I mean, I wish more complete sets would do this. This is great. So the um,
0: the show. Uh, premiered in the mid-60s, lasted for about, uh, lasted for a couple years. Uh, they cranked out about 150 of them, and uh, it was terrible. A lot, but,
1: of, a lot, of, a lot of extras. Here. But here's like the thing, on David though. Frost. They got Jim Neighbors on David Frost. That's one of the extras. It's but great. But
0: don't forget, Sheldon Leonard was the producer of the show. So yes. if you like Sheldon Leonard shows like Gilligan's Island and other shows like that from the era, you may like Gomer Pyle. I, I just find it, it doesn't hold up at all. It's really, you know, at this point in 2015, it's for kids.
1: Alright, so from Lionsgate we also have Mountain Men Season 3, a bunch of dudes with a lot of hair and beards, uh, getting all non-hygienic, living in the mountains, shooting arrows, killing things, being, being manly men I, I, Whatever, this is for a certain kind of person, and that person ain't me That's all I can tell you I, I, I see this and I just want to go indoors and, and have a nice hot meal
0: uh, Wait, we have um, The Red Skelton Show now, This was uh, a funny show when it was on yeah, now Red Skelton. If you do not know who he is, he was the a, original
1: uh, uh, Jim Carrey.
0: He was, kind of know, he, he, started, he Yeah, he started in vaudeville. He played nightclubs, casinos. He was one of those guys, those comics who really worked the system back in the in the fifties and sixties, and then uh, of course in the seventies. Um, and he had this thing called the Red Skelton Hour. That was his show. That was in the um, in the early sixties, and now we have um, the Red Skelton Show on. Uh, DVD. It's got the best of the early years of Red Skelton. It's got the lost episodes of the Red Skelton show and the best of the Red Skelton show. So one of those – this is my – this might be your grandparents, quite frankly. Um, but a lot of it is funny. You know what? He had a persona. He was uh, – he used to dress up as a clown a lot, like kind of like this hobo clown. That was one of his personas. Hobo Kelly? Yeah, uh-huh.
1: I like that show too.
0: No, you, you Never mind. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, he was great. He was very funny. He, you know, he was definitely popular for the time. You know, you'd see him on a lot of these um, those celebrity roasts, those being uh, those um, Dean mm-hmm. Martin celebrity roasts. Mm-hmm. So Red Skelton definitely had a moment. He was definitely a guy who earned who earned our respect back in the day. And uh, yeah, so the Red Skelton show available on DVD.
1: We also have The Red Road, the complete first season, Uh, and season two is coming shortly to Sundance TV. Uh, I'm not sure I even realized there was such a thing as as Sundance TV. Uh, This seems to me to be a little bit of an attempt to exploit the um, uh, 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 modern American detective. True detective. True detective, thank you. It's totally spacing on. I was thinking of the Americans. Now that's the guy
0: from. Uh, that's the guy from Aquaman.
1: Yes, exactly. Right. Yep. Sure is. And who's going to be Aquaman, indeed? And um, you know, well, here's here's the thing. This is uh, it's it, basically it's uh, Martin Henderson plays uh, a cop, and um, Jason Momoa, who is going to be Aquaman, um, is uh, is a uh, a Native American. Oh my, I, I'm trying. I'm trying not to give anything away on this. Uh, there's a there's a there's a thing that happens re- related to this tribe that really uh, sets the fuse of all of this sort of this this crime snowball that starts flowing down the hill.
0: You're making a great case for the show. Uh,
1: you know what? Well, it's it's an, it's, a, it's it's a, it's basically two tough guys trying to get to the bottom of something. There you go. Uh, but anyway, Momoa is, is very good, uh, better than anything else I've seen him in. I, don't, I still don't know if he's Aquaman. I've seen the picture of him as Aquaman, and I'm like, that ain't Aquaman. Yeah, it's that's one like, of those,
0: like, Zack Snyder, badass, brooding yeah. you know, superhero
1: characters. Yeah, it's not, not the Aquaman I grew up it's with. It's not
0: the one with, like, 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 a, like, like, the orange top and the green
1: tights? Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's, that's the Aquaman I'm looking for. I'm looking for Matthew McConaughey, basically, in, in, you know, in tights, in, in, a, in a pool, uh, riding a seahorse that's what I'm looking with, for
0: with like little concentric circles coming out of his forehead that's what I'm <laughs> <to> looking <laughs> to for communicate to the fish that's
1: right that's what I'm talking about you betcha yeah but anyway uh, no is good so uh, Julianne Nicholson is also in this uh, she plays uh, Martin Henderson's wife I like Julianne I, I like her a lot I really do I think she's a great actress but anyway so this is the first season I think there's something to it it's interesting it's an original series for Sundance TV uh, and uh, you know we'll see where it goes
0: uh, Wade uh, Maud is a yet another spin off of All in the Family. As you probably know, B. Arthur played uh, Edith Bunker's cousin, and she was spun off for her own show in um, 1972, and then it lasted for about six years till 78. And as befitting most Norman Lear sitcoms of that time, uh, it was very politically uh, astute. Maud mm-hmm. was a real women's liber. And she was on her fourth husband, yeah. played by Bill Macy, who I uh, just poor Bill Macy. The guy was right. just so you know he he had a, he he was like this guy who owned an appliance store, and his wife was is like this ball busting feminist played by Maud, played by B. Arthur, you know. And um, B. Arthur, of course, would go on to be one of the Golden Girls. Yep. Um, so this show, while not as groundbreaking as All in the Family or the Jeffersons, to, or the Jeffersons, All in the Family, one of my all time favorite shows, uh, Maud still had a lot of great. Uh, still had a lot of great episodes, um, a lot of controversial episodes. So, um, yeah, it's a really good show. Uh, it's pretty funny. It's definitely a product of its time. You know, Now you might laugh, at are all women's lib harangues, but still, it's good stuff. Shout Factory put it out. They always do a great job. Bunch of bonus features, um, including the original All in the Family episodes, where she appeared, and, uh, and two unaired Maude episodes, which is very cool, and a bunch of other stuff. So, be Arthur Maud, the complete series, and then there is Maud. It's a good
1: song, by the way, that, that title song. They made fun Maude. of that
0: song on, on Family Guy.
1: It's a good song. And then there is a really interesting new series on AMC. I really so admire what AMC is trying to do because when I heard that they were doing this, I thought, uh, yeah, okay, whatever. And it turns out it's really a, a very interesting take. They, uh, the Alexander Rose book, Turn, Washington Spies, uh, or the, the book is called Washington Spies. Uh, they have turned into the series Turn, Washington Spies. And uh, it's an actual straight-up primetime dramatic show set during the Revolutionary War, which is a gutsy move. That's a lot of production value and and verisimilitude to have to sustain on a weekly basis. It's, you know, it's not just, well, let's go see what wardrobe we were able to pick up at, at Saks this week. It's like, we've got to have the Revolutionary War wa- wardrobe and hairstyles Every week. We gotta bring this every week. This isn't even Mad Men. This isn't even recreating the sixties. This is you know, the late eighteenth century. You're going back two hundred and some odd years.
0: Well it's well. What well, what they were doing at the time is they would do like these Civil War uh, movie specials. Right. You'd have all that production value, yeah. but it'd be in the service of a miniseries or uh, a film. Now you've got a weekly show. It's
1: a weekly show. And I applaud them because they do a hell of a job with it, not just in terms of the costume, the production value, cinematography, but the language as well. It's, Does
0: America win the war?
1: You'll have to wait and see. I think we find out in the fourth season. <laughs> I think we've got to wait a few episodes. Take a few years. Anyway, the idea here is uh, it centers on uh, this character, Abraham Woodhull, who was a uh, farmer in Long Island at the time who uh, basically ran this espionage ring. So it's a, it's a, you know, it's a war drama action espionage series uh, set during the, uh, the Revolutionary War. And Wait, do you know
0: somebody who lived in Long Island until he was 10? Do you know somebody who lived in Long Island until he was 10?
1: You. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Are, but are the British still there? Are you still fighting them? Yes. It's amazing, right? The suckers <laughs> will not go away. So Jamie Bell of uh, of Billy Elliot fame, fantastic, really good job. He's
0: really grown into himself. He's kind of like, you know what, there's Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Jamie Bell, two guys who you figure, you know, they were kid actors, you know, Billy Elliot and uh, Levitt did that sitcom with John Lithgow, Third Rock from the Sun. You figure that's it, it's over. Mm -hmm. You know what? They've turned into two really interesting actors. Levitt is great. Looper, great. Fantastic. 500 Days of Summer, great. You, by the way, you know you know and I watched the other day, which I had never seen. I hate to say this, huh. I watched Premium Rush. I had never seen Premium really? Rush, the uh, the uh, David Kep film, it stars uh, Levitt as a bicycle delivery guy in, in Manhattan. Have, have you ever? I don't know if you ever seen that, but uh, it was a lot of fun. Well, it was just a really cool bla You know what? It's 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 one of those movies I like to call. Stupid movie made by smart people. So they know exactly what they're doing and they bring it.
1: It's interesting you mention that because uh, there's a movie opening this week called Tracers, which uh, stars uh, Taylor uh, – what's his name? Swift. No. Schilling. Uh, no, uh, the guy from the Twilight movies uh, that dated uh, – Taylor Lautner? Uh, Taylor Lautner. Thank you. Oh, God. Got to talk about this on Friday too. So it's, uh, he's basically a, uh, a guy who's a bike messenger, mm-hmm. but then he becomes like a parkour bandit.
0: You know, All that the, guy – He's – that guy, he, he – he, he,
1: you know what kills me? He does his own stunts. I will say that. Physically, he's incredibly impressive in this movie. So what? I'll save it for Friday. You know
0: what kills me about these movies? Like these – you get these movies where all these uh, – like Twilight, you know, Taylor Lautner and Rob Pattinson and Kristen Stewart and all the – you know, Hunger Games. You got that short kid, whatever his name is. He plays opposite mm-hmm. Jennifer Lawrence. He's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they all think they're going to be the greatest thing in the world. They're like, they're 18 years old, they're 21 years old, they're 22. Their agents tell them they're going to be fantastic. And, they, and you know what? And they all believe it. And instead of doing good work, like Kristen Stewart's doing, yeah. Or even Rob Pattinson, right? Chris,
1: Chris was just won an, uh, a Caesar yeah, Award.
0: Yeah, It's unbelievable. And, and Rob Pattinson doing a Cronenberg yeah. Kron- film? Yeah. Those guys are going to last. Yeah. The Tale of Lauders of the World, who, no. you know, who was the one? I think he was the one who starred in the uh, that John Singleton piece of crap. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's uh, something like that. Uh, yeah. he, he, he finds that he's a, he's a doc, he's, he was adopted. Oh,
1: that thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, come
0: yeah. on, man. Go do good work with good directors. that's well, it.
1: I'll give you some more good work from the era real quickly before I let Mark uh, take us into the apocalypse to wrap things out. At WKRP in Cincinnati over the, our, our uh, holiday episode, we of course talked about the complete uh, season release of the amazing WKRP and I'd add that I had that interview with Asad Kalada. Well now they're releasing the Pina individual- Thank you. Now they, now they have, they're releasing the individual season episodes and seasons one and two are now out. Uh, 22 episodes in the uh, first season and 23 episodes in the second season. You can get them in the regular old DVD keep case and uh, enjoy. You know, uh, Mr. Do- Mr. Carlson and Andy and Johnny Fever and Venus and and uh, Les Nesmond and you know all the rest of them. It's just it's and Bailey. I just love this show. It's my favorite all time uh, comedy. I it just doesn't get any better than WKRP in Cincinnati. Yeah. And then we also have. Far as classic shows go, uh, they just cannot stop milking the original uh, Star Trek series. Star Trek: The Original Series, Captain Kirk's boldest missions. lame uh, <laughs> You know, what?
0: honestly, just you could either buy all of these stupid ones, or you can just go buy the original series on Blu-ray and, just, and have everything anyway.
1: Well, you should. I don't know. I don't. First of all, boldest missions—they're all bold. I don't. I don't know. It's now, Spock's like, brain—not that bold. They, somebody just kind of rolled the dice here. Uh, I mean, the Corbomite Maneuver—is that really that bold? Really, it's one of the best episodes. You think so? Oh, yeah! Really, Tranya, not, try
0: some. Not just really? Mr. Spock.
1: Really, poker, like 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 a, a badly dubbed uh, uh, Howard Clint Howard. <laughs> this <laughs> is, is Tranya. Okay. Yeah, I whatever. hope you
0: like it yeah, as much great. as I.
1: But sitting uh, on the edge of forever <laughs> is wonderful. Uh, it just, it really sitting on the edge of forever is about as good as it gets uh, as far as Star Trek episodes. You yeah. know what Hard
0: Bennett said about Star Trek? What do you think? And he say? because you know, it's Hard Bennett, obviously, who passed away a couple weeks ago, and and I was a big fan. He produced uh, Six Million Dollar Man, uh, the Star Treks uh, Two, Three, and Four. He said, "Here's how it is in series television, mm-hmm. and this is how it was in Star Trek: One third of your episodes will be brilliant." One-third of your episodes will be good. You know, all right. Got it yeah. done. Got the job done. One-third of your episodes will be just terrible. Yeah. Didn't work. And that's basically Star Trek. True. One-third, one-third, one-third.
1: Yeah. Well, and I, I will say, this is worth getting just for the Doomsday Machine and, uh, and uh, Sitting on the Edge of Forever.
0: Just get the original series. Get, I know. Get,
1: I mean, come on, people. Maybe somebody's cheap. Maybe they got eight bucks and they – you know, I don't know. And then uh, we have uh, Matlock's Greatest Cases. I didn't even know that there were greatest cases. Like I thought they all kinda sucked. But uh, I'm actually
0: surprised that either the Matlock series sets are not selling well enough. I don't know. Right. So they gotta just you know what, just give me the best five, put it on a
1: DVD. Or the original audience is dying off very quickly and they gotta get them to buy as much Matlock as they can. I guess that's true. Because they got another five or six years.
0: (laughs) And Matlock was notable because he was like one of the only like, you know, sixty something lead characters on television doing what normally the young kids would do solving cases and whatever alright Mark what's okay? Um, I I have a problem with Revelation end of days you know what here's the thing this is one of those uh, you know it's like it's a documentary uh, slash you know sort of like a loose interpretation of what would happen if the book of Revelation uh, came true today if the apocalypse happened now by the way Preachers have been going on and on about how the apocalypse is coming now. Give me money for like, you know, <laughs> for, for a couple hundred years now. Like literally every preacher says, the apocalypse, can't you understand? It's the Facebook, is the apocalypse. This is...
1: Yes. No, apocalypse happened in 1978 and it happened now. <laughs> was that a movie? It was a movie.
0: Anyway, I, I just I'm, I'm just tired of, of preachers trying to make money off of off of stupid people who think that the apocalypse is like, oh, you know what? Honestly, the apocalypse is not happening. It's not happening in your lifetime, my lifetime. It will happen in 100 million years when the Earth flies into the Sun. That's it.
1: But this is the prophecy you can't ignore. The no, movie, I can ignore it. The movie you won't forget.
0: <laughs> it's just uh, you know what I I, I think is that I have an issue with these sorts of things on their face. You know, I mean, here's the, now here's the thing. Look, as 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 a child of the 80s. Nobody loves them A good apocalyptic Science fiction film More than I do Okay Damnation Alley With a big tank And there's attacked there by go. a scorpion Love it right. Mad Max films Love it I love apocalyptic films Love them But what I don't like Is the ones that Try to pretend like uh, Like the biblical Interpretation of the apocalypse Is like really going to happen
1: I'm not going to argue with you <laughs> Alright With that We are done With Mark's rant Ladies and gentlemen Mark Kaiser We'll see you next week
0: By, by the way Did I tell yes, you a what? dog Peed on my bed